You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the next chapter in the Star Wars saga, Return of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2, and Darth Vader. A journey to alien worlds. It's a trap. A rebellion against oppression. An epic of heroes and villains. An adventure as vast as the universe. Return of the Jedi. Coming to a selected theater in your galaxy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to GeekFest Rant. My name is Carlos Perone, and today we are going to primarily look at collections of stuff, in a way. Off the bat, we start with posters of the month. We will talk about the Return of the Jedi poster, the first official one-sheet that showed up in movie theaters. My particular history with that poster, what are my thoughts, how that poster came about, uh, you know, all that kind of background stuff that I love to uh, research. Then we're going to jump to Midnight Mass, a less popular poster, I guess, and a, a very, uh, I don't want to say hard to find, but not exactly a merchandising promotional bonanza that you have, you know, as compared to something like Star Wars. The particular poster I'm going to talk about is a poster I really love, and it's specifically the style of that poster, given the time of, you know, today of how more more modern posters are being manufactured and, you know, turned out. This is a little bit of a throwback in my particular view. We'll talk about whether that's a real or perceived <laughs> or a vintage thing done on purpose. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but... A great poster, nonetheless. Then we are going to end the show with a quick recap of, out of all weird things to collect, bottles, alcohol bottles of, uh, for example, wines, whiskey, that have to do with a film. A lot of it is going to be about Star Trek because there's an actual company now that deals with Star Trek wines. And then they're either reproductions of stuff that you saw on air uh, on a show or stuff that's interpreted as to be part of the show and uh, some other bonus uh, bottles that I've been collecting uh, in the past that I kind of all of a sudden, you know, started a new collection of something that's kind of cool. 
So let's first begin with Return of the Jedi. You can collect them all. You are a toy! Battery's not included. Get those wonderful toys. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the $6 million man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each. One to display, one to open, and one just in case. For our first poster of the month, we are going to look at Return of the Jedi. Now, we've looked at Return of the Jedi before for its teaser poster, the famous Drew Struzan Revenge of the Jedi poster that later turned into Return of the Jedi. And it's funny because when you read the stories of how it went from one title to the other, I actually found, again, if you believe it, <laughs> a blurb on the making of Return of the Jedi that states that initially it was Return of the Jedi, but they felt it was a kind of like a weak title between, I think it was between Howard Kazanjian and George Lucas, they were talking about it. So Lucas went for the stronger, more, you know, powerful revenge of the Jedi. And as the movie was being shot and almost pretty much done with everything is when they decided to, no, nah, we got to bring it back because revenge is, you know, goes against the Jedi Order, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but, but I, I, I do find it interesting that if I believe that quote, that the return was always there in the beginning. Well, this is a poster that I used to own. I currently own a reproduction. Um, I believe somehow... I don't remember exactly how the one I had was damaged and I ended up throwing it out because it was it was pretty much trashed for one reason or another. But this poster that I'm talking about is the hands holding the lightsaber poster Return of the Jedi with a more kind of like a blue motif with black around it. I believe I might have gotten mine from the fan club. It could have been uh, one of those uh, fan club posters that I that I ordered. I've said this before, I believe. <laughs> if not, this is not one of my favorite posters. This being the official poster of Return of the Jedi, of the, the final film of the trilogy. This also being the first poster that I was able to buy ahead of time as the movie was coming. As opposed to Star Wars, which I never was around to buy the existing poster. Or at the time, it just wasn't on my radar to go and, you know what, get the poster. My God, if I would have gotten it in 78, it would have been so much cheaper and authentic. But even Empire Strikes Back, I don't think I've ever... Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I did own a re-release poster of Empire Strikes Back, which I think I, I covered on one of my previous shows. But I never owned the original, the Gone with the Wind poster style. That was that Castell or something like that? I never owned that one until I bought a reproduction, you know, recently. But this was the first time that I was able to purchase an authentic poster that was actually coming out. And to tell you the truth, I was completely disappointed by this poster. Now you say, well, why are you reviewing it? Well, I'm reviewing it because it is historical. It is the poster that came out when you went to see the film. I much prefer the secondary poster. This is considered style A. I much prefer style B. 
Style B is the one where you have all the characters out there. You know, they're all there in their movie poses, looking exactly like they look, you know, in the film. To me, that's more... When I think of Return of the Jedi merchandising or, or books or anything, that's more what I think of. But I do understand this is officially their first poster. And there's a history to this poster. There's a history to this poster, just like there are to a lot of these other posters. You got to also remember, by the time Jedi was coming out, the machine, you know, the, the way that things were done was much more slick and streamlined. But even though they kind of knew what they were doing or the, where they were going, they still hired three or four different artists to kind of come up with stuff to see where things would go. And if you look, and it takes a little bit of research to look at all the different styles of comps, of sketches that some of these artists did to try to get that Return of the Jedi poster. There are four names that kind of come and go, and you'll see them. One of them is John Alvin. First of all, these are all giants in their field at the time. He had some comps made, including one that also feature the hands concept, you know, the hands holding a lightsaber concept. There were other concepts made with where you feature characters in action poses or in different kinds of, uh, you know, walking or, or sitting or posing, you know, more traditional posterly looking posters. But one common thread that I'm finding in most of these is that most of these artists took a shot at the hands concept because that is something that was requested. All these concept posters uh, that I found or sketches, they were made around 1982. Now, you got to also remember that there's an order to things, that you have your teaser poster and then you have your movie poster, your, your one sheet, your official one sheet. Another artist was Drew Struzan, who ended up doing the teaser poster, which we talked about before. This is back when it was Revenge of the Jedi. Now, with Revenge of the Jedi, yes, they did have to switch gears at one point and scramble to adapt the posters. And according to some of these sites here that I'm reading, one of the plans was to have a secondary teaser poster. And this secondary teaser poster was going to be the hands poster. Now, does that mean that they would have had two teasers and then they would have moved on to the one that I like, which is the B version of the poster with all the characters on them? I don't know that for a fact. The teaser might have led to a repeat of that picture, but in what we got with poster A, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's, you know, an alternative history that... <laughs> <laughs> That's somewhere in the multiverse of Lucasfilm. <laughs> Who knows how it would have gone. But at the end, it went from the Struzan poster to this poster next. Another artist that was kind of also throwing out concepts at the time was Tom Jung, who was the original artist of the first original one-sheet Star Wars poster. He had some designs that I've seen. Again, a very similar style of the posing of the three stars with, you know, the, the triangular pose with the uh, lightsaber up in the air, Leia in her slave bikini outfit instead of obviously the original, you know, uh, Star Wars outfit. You know, everybody wearing their appropriate or iconic outfits based on this movie. And yes, some of them look 
I mean, you could you could say, yeah, I, I can see why they didn't pick this one or they didn't pick that one. They also didn't have, you know, 100% of the materials needed in order to make the poster. They might have some still photos. Maybe they had some footage. I'm not entirely sure. But some of it looks pretty accurate in terms of, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that that's from a still that I've seen, you know, because we've seen so many still photos at this by this point of all these films. And you kind of start to recognize, yes, that's the still photo of them posing next to this thing. Nick po- so you, you do get a little bit, a little bit of that. All we know is that at a certain point, they said, all right, Struzan, boom, he gets to do that teaser poster. First poster that we're going to use for the release of the film is going to be the hands poster, the hand design. And the hand design, once again, it went through a couple of big, gigantic you know, poster names. However, the person that actually drew this poster, his name is Tim Reamer. Now, let's talk about how that came about. From what I understand, there were a couple of ex-Lucasfilm employees who used to work, I guess, in art design. Melanie Pecos and Rio Fire. I'm sure I just butchered these names. These two designers kind of put together the final version of how the poster should look like. Whether they're the ones who suggested the hands, I don't think so. I think the hands motif was coming way earlier before they got involved because the other artists were taking a crack at it too. But from what I understand, the the idea of doing the hands was something that came straight from Lucas. He wanted like a symbolic end to a trilogy, an image that would convey everything that happened in the first two films leading up to this film. He didn't want to go for the more traditional show everybody, you know, concept uh, motif. He will do that with Poster B. And Poster B didn't take too long to come out. Poster B was out there pretty fast. You could also say that this was also another way of keeping people spoiler-free. Because Poster B has some of the more fantastical creatures that you see in the film, such as Jabba, Bib Fortuna, a Gamorrean guard, an Ewok. And remember, this is also a time where even when the action figures were being sold, they were purposely blurting out, they were blacking out in the back any pictures of the Ewoks because they they wanted the Ewoks to be a, a little bit of a surprise on everybody, I guess, you know, once you see the film. As a matter of fact, I remember, if I remember right, even the, the, the movie review that I think Siskel and Ebert did for Return of the Jedi before the movie came out, the clip that they provided reviewers was very minimal in terms of seeing Ewoks. It was more of the rebels fighting stormtroopers on Endor, and they kind of tried to low play the, the Ewoks because they were a little bit of, they were supposed to be a little bit of a surprise. I'm sure Jabba also was supposed to be a surprise, and it is a surprise. And you can kind of say, well, yeah, they had a little bit of that if you think about it. With Empire Strikes Back, when they had that original poster, they purposely didn't have initially Lando, Yoda, Boba Fett. You know, there were certain things that were omitted from that poster that later, in later versions of that poster, they were added for different reasons. But in this case, you could kind of say that, okay, well, maybe that was part of the the strategy was that because this is the last film, we're going to kind of hold back uh, on as many surprises as possible. So the poster we're going to give you is going to be very plain, very simple. 
and I do, yes, I do understand the symbolism, you know, the, 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 the triangular uh, cross that started out in the first film's poster, the junk poster, comes back, you know, in this poster. The hands, you know, are obviously Luke, which, again, brings you back to that first poster. But, again, you have two designers who are ex-Lucasfilm people, and you have Tim Reamer, who's the artist. And, and that's a name that, at the time, I don't think he was as big as Alvin or Jung or Struzan. I don't even know what came later for this particular artist. But th there are some quotes here or there that I found where he talks about how you know, fast they had to draw this poster because they were under the gun. Because again, originally, if you originally this was going to be the replacement for the other poster, then apparently they had an issue where Lucas didn't like the particular hand look. They liked the concept and the structure, but he just didn't like the particular hands that were used. So he ended up doing a photo shoot with himself and I guess some, I think some other Lucasfilm employee, and between both of their hands, specifically Lucas, that's uh, what you end up with in the posters. It's really George Lucas's hands and possibly another person in some shape or form, uh, you know, holding. It makes it, you know, it's it's even more symbolic. It's more wink, wink. Look, it's it's this is the the maker of the film, and these are his hands. Yeah, you know, it's that that kind of like the that behind the scenes kind of stuff. One thing that. Lucas also added to the poster, or requested, and he, and he obviously he got it, is that uh, as you see the, the, the swish of the, of the lightsaber where things turn kind of bluish, he wanted to add the Death Star, uh, the planet, you know, floating there. And you do get that. You get the Death Star, very small, and, and you, I think you get Endor, you get the Moon of Endor right next to it, uh, which this is something that wasn't originally on the design. One other interesting thing I, I found, and again, I'm not sure which artist is credited for it. It might have been him, for all I know, is that I did see recently on, on one of the Facebook groups, somebody purchased a comp of what looks like this poster, but in the swish area, instead of the Death Star, there's a gigantic picture of Darth Vader, which kind of makes sense in terms of them trying out different things to put on that. You know, you got to remember... All the other Star Wars posters, the official one sheet, Vader is always hovering over the poster. Here, you, this is the first time where the official poster doesn't have Vader hovering over it. This time around, the, 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 I guess the symbolic evil bad guys are a very tiny little Death Star off to the side. So, is there some meaning in that? Possibly, who knows? But it, it, it does show you that the idea or the ideas of, of multiple characters were being thrown back and forth. As a matter of fact, in another one of those comps that I was talking about earlier, I don't know if it was a, it was an Alvin comp or, or a John comp, or there are combinations of Vader hovering over whatever else is on the poster. Again, more that's more of a traditional, uh, if you want to call it Star Wars design, you know, you show your characters and the big baddie hovering over everybody, you know, that kind of thing. But here, like I said, they went a different direction. Again, I said it before, I'm not a fan of this. I like the posters that have all the characters or most of the characters there. I like the action poses. I like that sort of thing. The, yes, the, this is different. And, and this is one that really... Uh, <laughs> I was like, it's like I owned it, but it was like, yeah, I, I put it up because I have to put it up because it's, it's it is the poster. But I think what happened is is once I was able to get my hands on the 
style B poster that I immediately replaced this one with the style B poster. This poster is also, the colors are also very, in my opinion, kind of bland. I mean, I like a poster that has a lot of color. I like the, the variation of colors. This poster is primarily light blue and black. Now, the other jarring thing when you think about it is that in Return of the Jedi, Luke has a green lightsaber. <laughs> so why are they showing us a blue lightsaber on this poster? Again, you could say, well, it's a callback to the original film. Yes, okay, I get it. But the hilt, you know, I'm looking at the hilt. The hilt is the the what what I would call the the Obi-Wan style hilt, which is the the hilt that he then recreates for Return of the Jedi. That is not the New Hope Star Wars hilt he's holding. This is the Return of the Jedi hilt, and it should be green. Again, that's a whole other story. Remember, originally the film uh, was supposed to be a blue lightsaber, the entire film. Then they realized that the blue lightsaber with the blue sky of Tatooine was making it wash out. So that's how they incorporated the color green later on, was as a fix, as a special effects fix for the color issue that they were having. Thereby changing the entire motif, if you will, you know, any kind of art that you make, any kind of notebooks, any kind of posters, any kind of anything, they had to correct and, and use the proper color. Uh, you can still see that blue lightsaber in uh, one of the original Revenge of the Jedi trailers. It's in the trailer, lasts maybe a second or two, and you see Luke swinging a blue lightsaber. Anyway, why wouldn't this have been green? Now, don't get me wrong. If you substitute the, the blue for the green or the green for the blue, I, I still wouldn't have liked this poster. It would have been uh, odd. Again, the way that you finally have this poster is with the, the, the light blue and a lot of black, you know, because space. And then there's a frame around everything. There's a black frame around everything that's, that's black. And then you have, you know, your, your usual credits in the bottom and the usual location, that's fine. But what this poster to me needs is some red, you know what I mean? And again, you could say, well, it's an artistic choice. This is good triumphs over evil, so the red is vanquished. Okay, I get it. I understand the, the, you know, the, the, the symbolism they're trying to achieve here. I get it. Okay, fine. But again, as a poster, it just does not, it doesn't do it for me. Even the, the, the title, Return of the Jedi, is in blue, which is odd because most of the merchandising, even the trailer, the title was red. Because again, they're trying to kind of tease you into thinking, oh my God, evil, you know, Luke is going to turn, he's wearing black, and there's a lot of red, you know, if you're into, you know, trying to figure out the, the color palettes and that sort of thing. I don't know, maybe if you would have had Return of the Jedi in red, it would have made this poster a little better. But to me, again, the, the lack of characters, the lack of, you know, poses and all that kind of stuff, it, it kind of brings it down slightly, slightly brings it down a notch. Another thing that I found was that the artist did not use any brushes on this poster. This was completely done with airbrushes. So it's really a different path. If you look at previous posters that are done more traditional, you get now the beginning, I guess, of, of a more modern technique where, where you're still dealing in paints, you know, physical, real painting, real paints, but 
the style is a little bit different. The the, the lack of brush strokes, uh, you know, makes it look a little a little different in this case. Nevertheless, this poster uh, not only made it to the one sheet, it also made it to the soundtrack. I have the soundtrack up there on the wall, uh, which is odd how certain things were decided for soundtrack purposes. For Star Wars, it's just the word Star Wars, the logo Star Wars over black. For Empire, they used one of the teaser posters, if you will, photo of Vader with the um, stars in the background. Vader is very dark. You can don't see the details too much. And I, again, I believe that is a photo or an image that was used for the teaser of Empire. For Return of the Jedi, they went in a completely different direction. They just said, all right, let's put the poster. Let's use this poster as the, as the image on the soundtrack. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Because I remember the soundtracks, you know, you had a double soundtrack for Star Wars, a double soundtrack for Empire, and for Return of the Jedi, they released a single. So you kind of felt a little bit like, hey, wait a minute, where's my, where's part two? Where are the rest of those cuts? And because they used that photo, it's kind of like, oh, it's it's that soundtrack uh, with, with, with that art. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a letdown, if you will. But anyway, this is a poster that you can get. Reproduce. There are reproductions out there. This is what I have now, a reproduction of it, uh, because like I said before, my original one, it got destroyed somehow, I forget how. But it's an important poster. Uh, recently in the news, I think they announced that the uh, Return of the Jedi was just inducted into the uh, the film registry or something, something that, you know, where they save all these famous films or they declared them official, you know, historical films. Uh, and Return of the Jedi has finally made it into it. A good poster. There's many, many more of these. <laughs> coming because style B, style C, internationals, you name it. But this is something they took a different approach. And it's up to you to decide, you know, whether it was a successful approach or not. To me, it just doesn't work as well, but it is historical. For my second poster today, I want to talk a little bit about the poster for Midnight Mass. This is the Netflix horror series from the creators of The Haunting of Hill House. This is Mike Flanagan's, in my opinion, best series that he's put out. Talked about this before. I reviewed this before the, the, the actual series. To me, this was the best thing I've seen this year as far as a horror a series. I don't know if they're going to make a sequel to it or a second series or a second season. We will see. It's almost perfect in terms of you don't want them messing it up because they did such a good job. But... This is a poster, again, it's a Netflix poster, so it's not a movie poster, but, you know, they do have to come up with some kind of material to be able to promote it. And for a television show, depending on the popularity of the show, you will see more or less. For a more popular Netflix production, like, let's say, Stranger Things, you are going to see a lot more merchandising for it, so certain images will show up more often. Here, it's kind of a... I would say a low priority <laughs> merchandising or art amount of things that are out there. I've seen another poster, a different kind of style, more of a picture, you know, photography kind of, you know, special effect photography type of style. But the one that I'm talking about, the one that I own is different. It is more of a painting kind of style of a poster. 
So what you have on the poster is the main character, the, the, the priest is up top, then you have the secondary characters and the tertiary characters are all, all around there. And in the bottom, you have the church and you see a fire kind of roaring near the church. Again, the only thing that's missing in this poster is what I'm going to call the angel, because I guess that would be a, a spoiler, if you will. Unless he's hidden somewhere and I can't find him. <laughs> it's a possibility that he's hidden here somewhere. Now, the manner in which this poster is done... Now, now I don't know this for a fact, because I, I, I just don't. And the research is very difficult, and I'll tell you why. Because this has happened to us a couple times before. I think it was when we were, we were trying to review, I think, uh, one of the solo posters. And what I'm finding, which is normal these days, is that... As you guys know, I'm, I'm more of a traditional poster-making kind of person in terms of I appreciate, I admire the aesthetics of the 70s and 80s, you know, the paintbrush strokes, the, the drawings, the, the handmade, hand-painted, hand-drawn techniques. Nowadays, it's all, almost all done by computer in terms of you're using not a real brush, but you're using a, a you know a computer pen to kind of simulate the brush strokes and that sort of thing. If you're even doing that, a lot of posters these days are not even in the style that I'm talking about. A lot of posters these days are more of a photoshopping of photographs, a gigantic photo of the star with the name on them, you know, that kind of thing. It's a different style. It's a completely different style. And even within these days, there are sub- styles, you know, very modern. I gravitate more towards the paintings. You know, I like those paintings, those those drawings that that show you, at least to me, how skilled of an artist can just kind of come up with a photorealistic looking drawing without using a photo. Now, I'm not going to debate the merits of who's a better artist and and People who use brushes are better than people that use computer. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. I'm just saying for my personal preference. I grew up on those posters, and I kind of seem to appreciate them more. There's more that I could kind of look and see in details, and it's 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 weird. It's just a weird experience as opposed to looking at a photograph. A poster that is a photograph of something. Different styles, different posters, different different feelings that you get from these posters, but. This particular poster is is odd because at first, when you look at it, it looks like somebody drew it with, with pencils and, and, and brushes. You know what I mean? It, it looks like a very organic-looking poster. I'm sure there is an entire language that can describe this that's more appropriate to that business, to, to, to that field of, of art. I don't know what it is. To me, uh, the word organic natural. That's what I'm thinking of when I look at these posters that look like pencil drawings and marks and brushes and strokes and that sort of thing. So this is how this poster is meant to look. To me, it looks like somebody drew it, you know, and then colored it and then shaded some shadows and did this and did that to it. Because it's Netflix, it also reminded me, and I, which I mentioned earlier, some of those seasonal Netflix posters for Stranger Things. Now, with Stranger Things, it makes sense. It makes very, very good sense that because Stranger Things is supposed to invoke, uh, you know, the 80s nostalgia that, that we grew up with, you know, people like myself grew up on, 
it makes sense that you would try to simulate that with their posters. That is the, like a major connection that I that I kind of see with this poster. It's like, oh, it's is it is it more of an '80s thing or is it more of a Netflix thing? <laughs> you know, is Netflix trying to copy Stranger Things? Well, there is nothing nostalgic about this series in terms of this is just a straight horror modern series. There's nothing Stranger Things about it in terms of you know trying to to grab onto the '80s or that. So I mean, yeah, you could have taken place in the '80s. You could have said that, but. No, they, 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 that wasn't needed. That wasn't part of the game here. So I was hoping that something like this would have been attached to a, to a famous name. Unfortunately, most of these famous names that I continue to come back to are artists that are either are no longer around because they died already or artists that are retired, like Struzan. Struzan doesn't do any more paintings uh, for, for films and that sort of thing. Uh, so... Sometimes it's like, oh, it's kind of cool when when somebody takes the time to to go back and kind of do it, you know, old school, <laughs> pull out those brushes and start doing it. And this is something that I remember happened not so much with a poster, but with the packaging, the action figure packaging for The Force Awakens, I remember had all of these artsy pencil brush looking renditions of the characters as their art and that was something i think i actually was able to find the company that was responsible for it and how they you know how they did all that and it was really kind of cool and i think the similar thing also might have happened for one of the modern star wars films i don't know if it was force awakens it might have been Force Awakens or one of the versions of the Force Awakens posters where they did find an artist who was kind of mimicking that style, that that oldie Struzan kind of style, you know, that kind of stuff. But that's kind of rare now. You don't, you, I, I don't see much of that now these days. So whenever something like this pops up and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, this this looks actually cool. Uh, this looks like it was done that way, even though it might have not been done that way. Now, I have not been able to find out exactly how it was done. However, when I started researching the artists and couldn't find it, I did get a little tiny note about what agency did it. Now, when you're dealing with agencies, it's nothing new, of course, because there were advertising, marketing agencies you know, going on for a very long time, even in the 70s and the 80s. And, and even some of the, these big name artists, people like Bob Peake or, or even Struzan, you know, at some point or another, they worked for an agency. And a lot of the posters that they designed and they created, they were done through the agency that they happened to be working for at the time. Yes, on occasions when people were that big and famous and popular, you know, a studio can go directly or a director can go directly to that person and say, hey, I want to hire you to do my poster. But a lot of times it was filtered through agencies. And unfortunately, if you go way back, you know, into the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and, and before that, a lot of the artists' names gets lost in the history. You barely know the agency name or the agency might have been an offshoot of the studio. Because again, when the studio owned everything, the artists were completely you know, anonymous at times in terms of who got to, you know, who worked on this poster. I don't know. It was universal uh, <laughs> promotional department. <laughs> that's all you get. And I think that's one of the things that seems to be happening now is that there are these enormous agencies now that handle so many clients 
so many films, so many television shows, so many aspects. And it's not just like when you think about it, it's like, okay, you have a, a show like this or, or a movie. It's not just the one sheet poster or the or the image they want you to associate. It's a whole package sometimes of like, for example, the solo film, it had the one sheet poster, it had international posters, it had individual character posters, it had banners. It's an entire package of of material that gets used in, you know, across so many different parts of the advertising and promotion field. So they have a book basically of art that they can kind of pick and choose and say, all right, this is going to go for newspaper ads. This is going to go for a record. This is going to go for a toy. You know, this is going for, for an action figure, you know. So that that's one of the things I find these days is that they are so huge that you almost never get to know who the actual person who actually did that drawing is and how they did it because it all gets kind of shrouded around the name of an agency. And that's even if you can find the name of an agency. However, let me give you guys a website, impawards.com. This is a website that shows you a lot of television and movie posters, let's say, or art or promotional material. And in a lot of these cases, you can kind of trace the agency or the artist. Because a lot of this stuff is modern, unfortunately, you're going back, you know, into agencies. But at least it's the it's a crumb of a, of a, of a trail that you can then start researching how to get there. For this particular poster, again, the one that I picked, it comes from a company called L.A., which stands for Lindman and Associates. Uh, and according to the blurb here on the company's website, after opening in 2015, Lindman and Associates quickly established itself as a leader in the entertainment space, winning Clio Agency of the Year Award in 2017. Since then, our clientele roster has grown to include a complete range of theatrical and streaming partners. Who do these guys make posters for? Apple TV, Hulu, HBO, FX, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon, Stars, Freeforms, Showtime, Legend, IMAX, True, CBS, BBC, A&E, BET, History Channel, Sci-Fi, CW, 20th Century. I mean, you name it. And these agencies have tons, tons of, of material. If you find these names, go to those agencies and look at their sample work. It is incredible the amount of material they have. Unfortunately, I guess because, I don't know, uh, just the nature of the business, they don't really promote their artists. They don't highlight their artists too much. So you never really get to know who actually drew this. And that is the situation I have with this poster is that I love the poster. It's just that you don't know who actually did it and what is the background of this person and what is his style or her style and, you know, what influences them, what, you know, that that kind of stuff that you like to kind of know. What, what was the actual development of the poster itself? Were certain images there removed or added based on what the client wanted? You know, that kind of stuff. It's a little hard to find. But anyway, I love this poster. Like I said, it's funny because recently they announced the... Um, Golden Globe Awards, and I didn't see any nominations for Midnight Mass. I was certain that there was going to be at least three nominations for acting, uh, but not a peep. We'll see what happens with the Emmys. Maybe the Emmys will 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 give the uh, Midnight Mass some love. But the poster that I bought comes from a reproduction seller. I could not find a place where they had an, an official poster 
that was sold directly from Netflix to wherever it is that Netflix sells. I mean, I know, like I said, with Stranger Things, they do have official Stranger Things merchandise that shows up out there, including posters. As a matter of fact, this company, LA, has done uh, some Stranger Things, not all of them, but some Stranger Things posters. And they're exactly like I mentioned before. It's that style. It's that 80s aesthetic style of art. So anyway, I bought the poster and it is a reproduction and it is obviously a reproduction because it does have the, how should I say this? The reproduced strokes are much thicker than they probably should be. The text is not bad because the text is, is pretty sharp, but the art to me looks a little too detailed. Now, I could be completely wrong here because when you do stare at a brush stroke from a foot away, let's say, which I'm about two feet from the wall here where this poster is. When you do stare at it, you start to notice flaws or you start to notice that things are just not there. They're not as sharp as a photograph, obviously. And this type of art wants to be photorealistic. It does. It's also very possible that the pictures that they used, the individual character profiles that they use came from photographs. So again, for all I know, this could have been done from scratch on a white canvas, or this could have been done by photoshopping photographs of these characters, and then on top of the photograph, applying some kind of a paintbrushy kind of effect so that it kind of looks like it's been painted. So that's something to keep in mind, but I don't know. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Now, one interesting thing about this is that if I stand, let's say 20 feet, 10, about 20 feet from the picture, and I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah, I just did it. I went all the way to the opposite end of, of the office here. It looks damn good. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I have a, a slightly low quality poster or if this poster is meant to be seen from 20 feet away. Uh, let me try something else. Let me take off my glasses. Yeah, well, if I take off my glasses, it looks a little better. <laughs> That's because, uh, you know, I, I have to wear glasses. Uh, things look a little blurry if I don't put on my glasses. So, yeah, it's 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 a weird uh, thing here, which I can't tell the difference. Uh, I have a feeling that this poster could have been manufactured much better if they were to put out an official version, officially licensed version, you know what I mean? That this could have been a little sharper, a little slicker, that you wouldn't have to move 20 feet away for it to look as sharp as it does when you look at it on a computer, you know, from some of these images, especially even from this website here, there is a version of it. Let me see here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because it's just, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if whoever uh, sold the poster got the image from this website because this, this website has... Uh, very detailed, uh, you know, high quality downloads. I think you could down save image. Yeah, you can download these images. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're getting them from 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 something like this. And then obviously when you blow it up poster size, you know, it's gonna get a little thick, a little blurry, a little uh, kind of weird. <laughs> But, you know, it, it just, when you have a, a, a property that, that, that doesn't get merchandised much, and this is what used to happen to me, you know, back, back in the uh, late 70s or early 80s, is that some of these properties 
They weren't merchandisable. And there wasn't anything, there was just nothing that you could buy with it to kind of support that product and, and even own a piece of it, you know, that kind of thing. So for a show like this, now I'll tell you something. There is a character, <laughs> dare I say creature, that could be made by something like a NECA or a McFarlane. That would be awesome if they did it. Because if they did that creature, like, I don't know, a six-inch version, you know, that kind of scale, it would be awesome. But again, I'm just hoping that uh, when it comes time for the Emmys that they kind of come back and remember some of these characters, some of these actors. Oh, my God. They were so unbelievably good. Top-notch material. But... For us now, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, we have the poster at least. We can, we can at least, uh, you know, uh, share a little time with the poster, which I do. This is what I do. Every month or so, I switch the posters in my office, and they usually have two big, two large posters. And right now, you know, it's Return of the Jedi and Midnight Mass. Are you a genre TV, film, sci-fi, horror, fantasy, toy, and convention nerd? Nerds! Do you enjoy listening to podcasts? It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Do you ever wish you could co-host a podcast? Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I'm, I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. This just might be your chance. Somebody help me! Help me! Help me! Help me! Shut up! Geekfest Rants is looking for new co-hosts. If you're interested, go to our homepage at geekfestrants.com and click on the hosting icon for more information. Well, with one more item to talk about today is the, I guess you can call them the Star Trek wines, even though we're going to go into a couple of little other bonus sections. What am I talking about? Well, a long time ago, <laughs> when... The premiere of Picard was about to happen, uh, not too long ago. I saw somewhere on the internet that they were going to be selling the particular brand and looking wine bottle with wine in it <laughs> for the Chateau Picard, which was part of the show, not only in the launching of the Picard series, but if you go back to Next Generation, you know, there, there was an episode where he visits his family at the vineyard. And that is what they produce. Uh, however, with the launch of Picard, you know, they made a big deal with all the promotional material of the fact that this series is going to kind of start at the vineyard, which is where he's now retired to. And you actually see him holding these bottles and stuff and that sort of thing, you know, doing his work. Uh, well, the company, I don't know if they're associated with Star Trek, but they definitely have the license for Star Trek, a website called StarTrekWines.com. For the last three years now, they've been offering these Star Trek-themed wines. And I know this is probably sounding kind of weird and cheesy, and it, it is. It is weird and cheesy. I get that. However, the product that they put out is a real bona fide wine. It's not sugar water. <laughs> It's wine. It's a little expensive, obviously, because what really sells you on the product is the packaging, the, the bottle, the fact that they manufacture these bottles specifically to look a certain way is really the selling point. The first year, I ordered a pair of bottles, and, and that's what they were selling. You can buy individual, or you can buy 
two different ones, you know, or any combination of that sort. The first year, I ordered the Chateau Picard, which is the the red wine, and then a second bottle of what they called Special Reserve, United Federation of Planets, Old Vine Zinfandel. Now, the Chateau Picard is is a normal-looking wine, old-timey bottle, you know, with a nice label, a traditional label with a, with a hand-drawing of the, of the vineyards. Very traditional. Again, it matches uh, the, the one that they were, they were using, you know, on the show. The rest of these bottles I'm going to talk about are basically interpretations of what they might look like because they're, as far as I can tell, going forward, they're not copying anything that was on screen, at least not at this point. So the second bottle, like I said, it was a more of a, I don't know if you want to call it futuristic bottle. It's, it's, it's an angular kind of bottle with, with, with less curves, more angles. Uh, it's got the Star Trek logo on the top. It's got the Starfleet logo and, you know, part of the design, old etched in gold. Very nice. Uh, that one is a white Zinfandel. I don't remember too much about the taste because this was a couple years ago. And, you know, full disclosure, I have no expertise on wines whatsoever. I, all I know is red, white, or white Zinfandel. That's all I know about wines. Oh, yeah, and I do, I, I do know Riesling. Riesling is something that I've had before that I like. I gravitate more towards the sweet wines, just like most of the liquor that I like. It goes towards the sweet. The more bitter, alcoholy dry, you know, taste, the the more I'm like, you know, I'm not a, a connoisseur of wine whatsoever. But I do remember liking them both. I imagine that the, the White Zinfandel, I probably liked a little more because it's it's a little more, you know, my, my speed. Then the second year, they offered a really interesting combination. Uh, one of them being the blood wine, the Klingon blood wine, which was really strange because the bottle was kind of short stout and the the seal on top of the bottle it was made out of wax it was a like a sloppy wax seal again they are trying to kind of make it a little more rough because it's a it's a klingon thing had a big logo on the side again etched in red you know to kind of go with that, uh, with the with the Klingon symbol and some Klingon writing in the bottom. I don't know what it means. Probably means blood wine, I imagine. Again, that was like kind of like a red wine, like a red, like the Picard. It was the red. They they try to kind of mix the the two offerings every year of, of two different styles. They try not to kind of replicate the same one twice. That was a good one. And to accompany that came another version of Special Reserve, similar to the one that came with the Picard one, but this time it was white. It wasn't a white Zinfandel, it was just Blanc. Let me see, it says Blanc, which is the white one. The bottle, I believe they used the same bottle style. It looks kind of like the same, except different label on it. It has an actual, I don't think it was a paper label. I think it was like a like a heat transfer label. You know, the, the, the symbol of the, of uh, Starfleet and the little, the little Star Trek symbol on the top. This one being the white bottle. Uh, that's the one we, we finished not too long ago. This year, what they're offering that we just got, and I just drank my first bottle last night while we were watching Star Trek Discovery, is a two-bottle set that we got. Uh, one of them is Andorian Blue. 
Now, this one's a different bottle design. It's more of a triangular pyramid kind of shape. It all kind of goes to a long stem, skinny stem on the top. It is all blue. If you guys remember Andorians, they're blue. And it says United Federation of Planets, the big seal of the Federation once again. And then it says Andorian blue, special reserve. I can't really tell. <laughs> That's how bad I am. I imagine it's a, I think it's. it was a white wine, really, because... They do add, I guess, a little bit of coloring to make it blue, but it was it was a it was a dry uh, white wine that 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 came in that bottle. It's cool when they are a little original with the bottle design because that's really what's selling you. At least for me, I'm not being sold on the actual wine itself. I'm being sold on the packaging of the wine. And then the companion piece to that one, which is the one we haven't had yet, which we'll save for, you know, a little bit later, is the Cardassian. Canar red wine. This one is probably their most intricate bottle yet. It's think of it as um, as a triangular kind of bottle where it's fat in the bottom, skinny on the top. It kind of works its way to the top. But then think of it as what if you could twist the glass into a corkscrew? And that's what they kind of did. There's kind of like a slightly fat bottom to it, and then the whole thing starts to corkscrew upwards. And it gets skinnier and skinnier all the way to the top. This one even comes with a little attached paper on the top that tells you, I guess, about the, the wine or whatever, or the, 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 the Cardassian history of that particular wine. But this is definitely a, a bizarre, the most bizarre of all the bottles so far. The bottom seems to have some kind of Cardassian writing on it. I can't make heads or tails of it, of course. And this time around, they also included a, a wine topper, if you will, a cork, a reusable cork thingy, uh, in case you want to recork your bottles, I guess. So, so far, this collection has six bottles. Like I said before, I don't care about the wine. I mean, I, I, I like the wine. I'll drink it. That's fine. But I'm more into the bottles themselves. Now, what I've done with these bottles is something that I've done once before, actually, uh, that kind of gave me the idea. And that is, when I'm done drinking these bottles, I clean them out and then I refill them with water and I put a little bit of food dye color in it. So I can kind of replicate the color and then I recork the bottle as much as I can. You know, sometimes you can't really cork it all the way back in, but I do that this way I can display the bottle with the liquid color wise as close as possible to what it was. And uh, that's the thing. That's what I'm doing now. I have them displayed in the kitchen up top in, in, in an area high up where you can kind of see this collection of bottles growing. Now, what sparked this, which I just mentioned, was that I had done this once before with a bottle of, I think it was White Symphondale Skywalker Vineyard, you know, brand. I remember at Launch Bay at Star Wars Hollywood Studios, Disney, they were selling Skywalker wine, which is a real wine from a real vineyard that the Skywalker Vineyards, you know, owned by George Lucas, obviously. And that was one of the places they were selling that particular wine. And we got one. And after we drank it, I, I was like, well, you know, I want to save this bottle. This is a pretty cool. I mean, it was a standard bottle. Nothing special about it. Nothing, nothing future. It, it wasn't like Star Trek where they're trying to mimic the, the theme. You know, this is a brand of bottle. It just happens to be called Skywalker because it's owned by George Lucas. So what I did, same thing. I filled it with water, put a little bit of red food dye to make the, I think it was White Symphondale that it was, to make it a little pink. And then I display, you know, recorked it, displayed it. I did a similar thing not too long ago with a with a Coppola wine that I got. I mean, Coppola has been doing wine forever now, but it kind of felt right that you should have 
Skywalker and Coppola next to each other. You know, those guys used to be partners, friends, you know, the whole thing. And, and it, it, it kind of makes sense to have those two paired together. The last one I want to add here as a bonus, if you will, is another one that I haven't even opened yet. And this is something that there's a very good chance I'm not going to drink. I'm going to try to get other people to drink it because it's not my thing. I'm talking about a bottle of J&B Rare Whiskey. It's not a pretty bottle. It's a, it's a green bottle. The, the liquid seems to be pretty clear, so that will be easy for me to recork. It's a, uh, it's a screw-on type of bottle because it's whiskey. It's not wine. And the reason I got this one is because for a very long time, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the movie The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, and McGreedy is always uh, near a JB bottle of whiskey in, in the movie. And, and I just recently got these uh, six-inch figures of him, and one of them comes with that bottle of whiskey. And it is very traditional, you know, for collectors of artifacts uh, from that film, you know, cosplayers or people that recreate props. That is a very important prop uh, to have, uh, you know, for that. So I'm hoping that during the holidays, in the next couple of days, I'll be able to offer people whiskey, and I don't know if they can drink the whole bottle. I mean, that'd, that'd probably be pretty bad, but uh, I'm hoping to be able to go through this bottle. Uh, this way, I can then refill it, you know, clean it, refill it, and display it, because it's right there. It's it's a very iconic, real, that's another thing, it's a real bottle that appears on the movie. This is not a recreation. This is not a, an interpretation. This is not like the Coppola or, or the Skywalker one, which is completely real and it stays real and it's not nothing to do with the movies itself in terms of being displayed this is one that actually appeared as a prop and it kind of makes its way into so many things because of the fact that for accuracy you know collectors want to have the authentic looking you know bottle for that and that's what i have and i'm waiting to be able to empty it out i hope i don't have to just dump it down the sink you know whiskey's not cheap but this whiskey from what i understand is not exactly the best in the world <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, you know, future collections. Again, I, I like, this is my kind of collection. My kind of collection is the kind of collection that is rare, strange, very small amounts, so I don't have to spend a lot of money. Granted, the uh, the Star Trek ones, if you want to do that, if you want to collect those, like I said, they come out every year. They still have in stock the previous year ones, but they'll run you anywhere from 100 to $130 for the pair. But once a year... I don't mind spending that kind of money once a year. If that was like a monthly thing, forget it. I couldn't do it. But once a year, I don't mind, uh, you know, getting two bottles of wine that are a little more expensive than I'm used to buying in order to fulfill a collector's item that I'm looking for. I What I'm really looking forward to, and, then, and they have to do it sooner or later, is... Romulan Ale, because Romulan Ale is the the legendary Star Trek, and no matter which version of Star Trek you're at, is something that comes up every now and then, as Romulan Ale being one of the most rarest, delicious drinks. It is not necessarily a wine, it's uh, it's something different, I think, and, and it's been seen not only in the TV shows, but in the movies, it's shown up here or there, and I'd be really interested to see how they interpret a bottle for that and in the actual product, so I'm looking forward to in the future. But it looks to me like they're going to just kind of invent things and, and pair them up with different, like Ferengi blah, 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 or or Vulcan blee, blee, blee. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I have a feeling they're going to try to go in that direction. But especially if something shows up on the show or on, on a movie, that's when they can really capitalize on it. At the same time, you know, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to if every now and then I find something that makes a connection with a film that, that it's very iconic, 
uh, with an item, a prop, like a drink prop, you know, like the like the beer from, from Jaws. I'm still looking for that. I still haven't found that can of, of Nas, Naskis, I forget the name of it, but I, I still haven't been able to find a, a can of that to, to be able to display that. But again, this is one of these little odd collections that I, that I started recently that uh, seems to be growing. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. This is our last show of the year. We are going to hop <laughs> over to 2022. Wow, 2022 uh, with our next episode. We started off today with Return of the Jedi, the one-sheet poster. You know, we were doing our posters of the month feature that we do sometimes. I really like doing that. I love doing the, the research, and I love actually finding stuff out. A lot of times, you just don't get anywhere uh, with some of these posters. Return of the Jedi, luckily, it's such a big franchise that there was enough information. I mean, I have my own personal information, as, as you guys got to hear it, and then the actual information of how that poster was designed and came about. Then we did Midnight Mass, personal favorite, my favorite limited series from this past year and the poster that i was able to find which fits a lot of my go-to items that i look for in a poster just by accident they happen to make that poster that way and a little bit of the background of not so much how the poster was made but where it came from and how it connects with this new more modern way of poster making and design then we also looked at a couple of Wine bottles and, and whiskey bottle and a bunch of weird bottles having to do with films, specifically Star Trek. We looked at a whole bunch of Star Trek wines that are available for people to buy. I looked at some, uh, oh, Skywalker. I looked at the Coppola and I looked at J&B from The Thing. Again, these are real these are real things that people could buy. It's an unusual collection. And as I mentioned before, I'm more into the bottle than into the content of the bottle. But once the bottle is empty, I love to just, you know, refill it with water, put a little color food dye in there and redisplay them. Because again, it's a weird little collection that I have now. Anyway, thank you guys for listening all these years. And we will see you next time here at Geek Fest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. We tend to dislike mysteries. We feel uncomfortable not knowing. The more that we know, the less we bend, the more brittle we become. The easier to break. That wasn't an act of God. Wasn't it? It's okay to just look at the world and say why, why, why. I don't understand. to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! 
GeekFest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone. Copyright 2021. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long.